Welcome to the Plastic First Mile, a podcast series by Sustainable Asia. My name is Marcy Trent Long. In this new Season 9, we'll look at how different countries in Asia are approaching the toughest part about plastic recycling. Getting the plastic from the hands of the consumer to a plastic recycling facility. Many people in Asia don't have access to safe drinking water from the tap, so in this series, we're going to focus on PET plastic beverage bottles. These plastic containers have provided an incredible convenience to many people here in Asia, but at what cost to our oceans? Imagine you're in rural Asia enjoying your favorite beverage near the beach. If you poured it from a plastic beverage bottle, what happens to that bottle once your drink is finished? Even if it's disposed of properly, what's the likelihood that your PET plastic bottle actually ends up recycled into a second or even third life? Let's start with the gold standard in Asia, Taiwan, which has one of the highest PET plastic recycling rates in the world. And the reason they achieve these high recycling rates, it's because their approach to waste collection is different from anywhere in the world. If you live in Taiwan and you hear a truck rumbling down the street playing Fear Elise, it doesn't mean it's time to buy a Popsicle. It means it's time to take out your trash. Because this is what a garbage truck in Taiwan sounds like. The singing garbage trucks are all a part of a completely different way of thinking about waste disposal. That was from the podcast 99% Invisible and the episode called Separation Anxiety. It was about the unique approach Taiwan has to waste collection. But Taiwan's circular economy success can be traced all the way back to 40 years ago when they partnered with Japan to learn about recycling. Might as well go for the best. Japan now has a whopping 84% of their plastic waste being recycled. So back in the 1980s, Taiwan was actually known as Trash Island. Taiwanese citizens were creating so much trash and they didn't have good collection systems. They were literally drowning in their own trash, and they realized that they couldn't keep this up. So they had to do something about it. That was Brenda Heidema, head of operations at First Mile, a U.S.-based company that collects trash from needy communities and recycles the plastic into polyester yarns to be used in footwear and apparel. So, Brenda, Taiwan is a world leader in waste management now, but I'm sure they went through a lot of work to get there. Yeah, so actually when Taiwan started, they looked to who the best was in the world then and still is one of the best in the world now. They looked to Japan. So they actually hired Japan as consultants, and Japan helped create their waste management system, which of course just wasn't trash, but also a strong recycling system was came part with it. So one of the more interesting or one of the more important components that the Japanese system brought in wasn't just the infrastructure itself. It was actually the education. They used the education system that exists in order to 
teach kids from a very young age why recycling is important. So starting in kindergarten, kids learn not just about trash and about recycling, but they actually learn the importance of separating your trash and your different kinds of recycling. They learn to wash all the plastic that gets put into the recycling because dirty plastic is one of the biggest challenges to recycling itself. As they go through school, it's not just in elementary school that you just kind of learn and then you forget about it. It's actually all the way through high school that these good habits are reinforced. Brenda had a colleague, Tina Hong, who grew up in Taiwan, and she has a really unique view of how this education system worked. We have a Huanbao Guzhang, which literally means the chief of environment protection in each class. The responsibility of this Huanbao Guzhang is to make sure that all trash is well sorted and cleaned before we take them out to the garbage collection area of the school. In front of the garbage collection area, there will be volunteer students checking the garbage each class brought out. If they found a grain of rice left on the lunchbox or a PET bottle in the paper bin instead of plastic, they will reject your garbage and ask you to either clean it or sweat it out before they allow you to leave them in that garbage collection area. Today, you can still see quite some people here in Taiwan bringing their own bottles when they buy a takeaway coffee or people rinsing their disposable cups before they recycle them. I think what school did was letting us know how relevant we are with sustainability. And this connection to sustainability, that feeling that what you purchase, you should also responsibly dispose of, that still sticks with Taiwanese people of all ages today. So with that as a backdrop, Brenda, can you explain what your organization First Mile does in Taiwan? So in Taiwan, we actually work with some of the most depressed communities, the indigenous groups in Taiwan. And what we really want to focus on is that these people are the unsung heroes in our war against plastic. But what they feel the most is when they become accepted into their community. So it seems that First Mile is trying to really ensure people are well-treated throughout the waste collection process. And that's exactly what we're able to do, and that's what makes First Mile unique, is that we trace the supply chain all the way back to the people that pick up the trash, and then we monitor that material through the entire supply chain. The problem when you don't do this and when it's perceived to be a low-value item, such as trash and such as recycling, is that human nature kind of takes over and that's ripe opportunity for less than ethical business practices to occur. And so what we want to do is apply heat and light to the supply chain so that that doesn't happen. Okay, so let's go back to our PET plastic beverage bottle. What happens in Taiwan once we've finished drinking from that bottle? So if you're in a big urban center, then the plastic you just drank from, you'll put it into a bin on the street. And there it goes into the infrastructure that the Taiwanese government has built. And that's just part of the normal recycling process. So in the rural parts of Taiwan or the parts of Taiwan that aren't serviced by this government-sponsored infrastructure, there's freelancers or individual collectors that this is what they do for a living. And what they do is they pick up trash in their neighborhoods and their communities from local businesses, and they actually sort through it, which is really important in the recycling process. And then they get paid by the pound or the kilo. 
So First Mile hired an impact manager, Gabby Liu, and she's on the front line working with these individual freelance collectors. Gabby actually is from Hualien, a county of about 300,000 people and one of the biggest collection areas for First Mile. Actually, there are a lot of education programs for protecting the environment in Taiwan. Taking care of the environment is very important for people here. Some people do recycling to make a living, while others who are retired and they want to do something which is good for our society and our earth. Recycling for them is part of their lives. So in Taiwan, the informal sector is a valued part of this plastic first mile. But once the plastic waste is gathered, then what happens? So after the individual collects these bags of trash from their community, from local businesses, they sort through it. And as they're sorting through, they take away the cardboard, they separate the paper from the plastic. And then it goes from there to an aggregation center. That aggregation center is usually within just a kilometer or two from the individual collector's house. They aggregate enough material so that they can send a truckload to the baler. At the baler, it goes through the same process of being sorted through just to make sure there's no cross-contamination from other types of material. And then they pull off the labels and the tops of the bottles. From there, it goes to a wash and grind facility where the plastic bottles get chopped up into little flakes and they're washed with just hot water and soap. So just like washing your dishes at home and they get scrubbed clean. After that, it goes into the pelletizer. The pelletizer takes this clean plastic, which is now pieces of flake, and it they extrude it down through this thing that looks like a giant pasta maker. So like these long pieces of spaghetti come out. Um, and it's these long pieces of plastic that have been reformed and remelted. And at the end of that process, what you get is recycled PET pellet that is almost indistinguishable from virgin material. And so now you've gone from trash into something that has added value into it and that you can sell and process just like virgin plastic. But is it really just like virgin plastic? I mean, I know that Taiwan is famous for high-quality recycled plastic, but what are the key things that suppliers look at when they compare recycled plastic against virgin plastic? So one of the biggest drivers for getting high-quality plastic is how clean it is. The biggest contributors to making plastic not high-quality is actually fat and sugar. So it's the things that are bad for our bodies, also bad for recycling plastic. And the higher quality material you have, the more money you can make off of it because there's less wastage in the manufacturing process. Got it. Okay. So then this recycled plastic can now be upcycled into new products? Yeah. So from that plastic, from this PET pellet, you can make a myriad of things. And it's not just textiles. You can go back into bottles. If you have a high enough quality plastic, that's food grade. The step below that in quality would be textile grade. And so that can be made into t-shirts, into shorts, into footwear. And then from there, even into lower quality, it can be made into like fiber fill. So stuffing for carpet or for stuffed animals. And so it can go into this wide variety of things because it has value if we just take the time to use it. 
So far, we've walked through the process in Taiwan of getting the plastic beverage bottle that I was drinking on the beach all the way to the recycling center. But Taiwan also has another regulatory aspect to their waste collection, right? I mean, don't they charge for waste collected? And does that motivate people to recycle more? Yes, it's part of the beautiful ecosystem that that Taiwan has created and why it encourages recycling so much. It was the three things together with Taiwan that made a really successful ecosystem. One was the infrastructure that Taiwan put in at a national level. So the same things can be recycled all over Taiwan and it's not fragmented or segmented. The second thing is that they use the education, their existing education system to teach the importance of recycling with kids from a very young age and it's kept up throughout their high school years. And so kids are some of the biggest advocates for changes being done at home. And then the last thing is legislative incentive. So when you charge to take trash away, that's another powerful way to see people's behaviors change. In 2019, Taiwan generated half as much waste per person as the United States. And its overall recycling rate that year was 55 percent, with plastic recycling hovering around 75 percent. Taiwan's PET plastic beverage bottle producers and distributors actually got together and agreed on terms that make plastic recycling easier. So, for instance, you won't see any colored plastic beverage bottles in Taiwan. And that's because the producers and distributors have agreed to only sell clear plastic in Taiwan so that the recycled plastic is of a higher standard. It turns out that this type of multi-stakeholder effort to simplify some of the complexities of the plastic first mile is being repeated all across Asia. In our next episode, we'll look at Hong Kong, where legislation for a waste charging scheme has been delayed for years. So a consortium of NGOs and beverage companies decided to join forces and come up with their own solutions to the plastic first mile in Hong Kong, including an initiative to build the first PET plastic recycling facility here. Another important step to stemming the tide of plastic water bottles going into our oceans here in Asia. Season 9, Asia's Plastic First Mile, is hosted and produced by me, Marcy Trent Long. Wu Yu Fei is our associate producer. Sound engineering by Chris Wood. A big thank you to our Sustainable Asia team, Josie Chan, Crystal Wu, Bonnie Ao, Ariane DeRossier, Joshua Lee, and Jill Baxter. Alexander Mobison created the intro-outro music made from repurposed and recovered waste items. You can find his work on www.kalelover.net. <laughs>